Let's talk about radioactive iodine for a moment. Oh, by the way, this, this slide right here, hyperthyroid medications, cross it out. You don't care. Just no. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. Just the first part. Cross out the first part. You need to know the second part. Radioactive iodine. Now, the question Kelly was just asking, if a patient has hyperthyroid and you take out their thyroid gland, don't they then have to take thyroid hormone? And the answer is yes. But we typically aren't going to take it all out. We're just going to take some of it out. Now, the goal is to take out just the perfect amount so that they are completely normal. But usually what happens is we take out too much or we end up killing too much. And then they're a little bit hypothyroid for how long? Forever. Then they have to take thyroid hormone the rest of their life. Now, radioactive thyroid, um, radioactive iodine-131. What is the only organ in your body that uses iodine? The thyroid. So if we give radioactive thyroid or radioactive iodine, where will that end up in your body? In the thyroid. So it's a very specific targeted way to kill just thyroid tissue. So what will happen is it'll take, get taken up. It'll live in your thyroid gland for eight days until it decays. And there it will kill thyroid tissue. Now, it doesn't happen all at once. That's one of the side effects. If you, did, if you do surgery on the thyroid and you take it out, guess when it starts working? <laughs> the moment you start cutting. But in this case, it takes two to three days to start working and it takes two to three months to completely work. So we don't know if it's completely worked until two to three months later. 66% of, of all patients are cured with only one dose. So the benefits dirt cheap. If you do anesthesia, you've got to, or if you do surgery, you've got to pay for the anesthesia. You've got the possibility that you're cutting into the neck. And what else is in the neck that you might not want them to cut into by accident? The carotid artery, the jugular, the, you know, all kinds of stuff in there. You know, they can also cut cranial nerves, can cause paralysis in your spinal accessory stuff. You know, so there's no surgery, there's no recovery, there's no risk of infection. Death is extremely unlikely. And only the thyroid is affected. Now, the drawbacks are delayed effects and delayed hypothyroidism, which is if we cut it, if we cut it out, we know if we screwed up and took too much out right now, start treating you right now. Here you've got to wait two to three months before we find out whether we did too much or not. So in the end, which would, you, which would you rather have? I'd rather have the iodine too, but being a guy, um, hypothyroidism is not nearly as common in men as women, so I guess I'll just have to help you make that decision one day. Say again? You tell me. Yes, it is radioactive. No, it's not injected into the thyroid. It's injected into your blood. No. Because within minutes, your thyroid has sucked it all up out of the blood. And now it's only in your, in your thyroid gland. Question? It starts working in two to three days, but it takes two to three months 
before it completely works. Oh, well, maybe do this two to three weeks. <laughs> it's probably what I said here. Okay. Look in your book. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about the drug itself. Levothyroxine. Brand names are Synthroid, Levothroid, and Levoxyl. Those brand names are not necessarily 100% interchangeable. At least that's what the companies would like you to think. But the FDA says they're exactly the same. Yes? Then why would they require, it's like an AB formula or whatever, so why do they have to require you calling a doctor to even give it to them? Yeah. Unless they write uh, only or manage whatever. Medically necessary, that's the word. Yes. Say again? Hypo. Yeah, these are the treatments for hypothyroid. So, what are, what's the most common hypothyroid in our country? Hashimoto's or chronic autoimmune thyroiditis. After that, we have iodine insufficiency and formerly hyperthyroid patients. So, on those, any of those people may need artificial thyroid hormone. It's absorbed in the GI tract. You take it once a day and it converts to T3 in your blood. It takes four weeks to reach steady state. So typically we'll have the patient on a low dose for four weeks. Then we'll retest their labs and then we'll adjust up or down until we get their TSH in normal range. Adverse effects? Thyroid toxicosis. Um, Drugs that reduce it, um, calcium and aluminum antacids, iron supplements, and these are some older cholesterol medications. Um, blah, blah, blah. Now, here's important. Patients who are on thyroid hormone and warfarin need to be careful because thyroid hormone can enhance the action of warfarin. Also, if the patient is on any catecholamines, like epinephrine or norepinephrine, etc., it can also enhance that. Okay. Pituitary. This will be really quick. Growth hormone. If you, don't ha if you have too much, you become gigantic. And if you have too little, you... Dwarfism. So, you treat dwarfism... Dwarfism is not the same as little people. That's a genetic trait. You can't fix that just by giving them growth hormone. Um, dwarfism is when a normal person just doesn't have enough growth hormone. Okay, that's all we need to know about that. Prolactin. Excess prolactin um, can cause by a pituitary adenoma, a tumor of the pituitary gland. It can cause by hypothalamic injury where you're... you're um, hypothalamus just says produce more, produce more, produce more. Some drugs and then most of it is idiopathic. We have no idea why. Well, men typically don't get affected, but women may become amenorrheic and galactorrhea. What's galactorrhea? It's milk production when you're not, when you're not nursing. Can also cause 
can also cause infertility. Now, in men, it can cause... In men, it can cause... Hey, the middle of the room is lost now. It can cause decreased libido and decreased potency, a.k.a. erectile dysfunction. And it can also cause galactoria in men. Now, that's kind of embarrassing. It can also cause delayed puberty. So if you know, if you know a girl who hasn't had her first period and she's like 16... 17, there's a good chance she might have excess prolactin. What? Men have breasts too, you know. We just don't, we don't have the right hormones to develop them the same way. But if you do by some chance... All right. Now, by the way, galactoria is not necessarily full-blown full breast milk. It's just breast discharge. All right. Antidiuretic hormone. What's the other name for antidiuretic hormone? Well, ADH is the abbreviation for antidiuretic hormone. Vasopressin, or sometimes called arginine vasopressin, or. Okay. All right. ADH, also known as arginine vasopressin, or simply vasopressin. What it does is going to increase water reabsorption in the renal collecting ducts. So it's going to make your kidneys hold on to water. There, you already have one of the answers for next week's quiz on renal. It's also going to cause vasoconstriction of vascular smooth muscle and GI tract smooth muscle. So it can enhance peristalsis, I guess. If you do not have enough, you get a disease called diabetes insipidus, which is tons of very dilute urine. Patients are at risk for dehydration. If you have too much of this stuff, you get syndrome of inappropriate ADH. In which case, what's the major effect there? Okay, oligouria, so not peeing enough. So where's all that water staying? In your blood, what's the person going to have? Really high blood pressure. So SIDH is life-threatening because it can cause malignant hypertension. I'm sure they could. Because of the uh, GI muscle being contracted, I guess. All right, adrenal glands. Now, we're going to talk about, well, we've already talked about all of these things, but what we're going to talk about in a little bit more detail is cortisol. Now, we've talked about artificial cortisol. What's the major purpose of artificial cortisol in most patients? What? No, when we give artificial cortisol, why are we giving it? When we give prednisone, okay? Immunosuppressant, that's a few patients. Most patients, it's anti-inflammatory. So we're giving it to suppress inflammation. But sometimes we give it because we need to replace a patient who doesn't produce enough of their own. So cortisol is the main glucocorticoid. 
in low levels, it produces what we call physiologic effects. In high levels, it produces what we call pharmacologic effects. What are the pharmacologic effects? Suppression of inflammation, and in high doses, suppression of the immune system. But physiologic effects, what it normally does, is it causes gluconeogenesis, it reduces peripheral glucose use, so it says, hey, um, skin, you don't need to be using glucose right now, we need to use, let someone else use it. It produces, uh, promotes glycogen formation, so your body is going to start producing glycogen. It's going to cause protein catabolism. We're going to break down proteins. It's going to cause fat catabolism, break down fats. It's going to cause the heart, or it's going to cause the uh, arteries to increase membrane permeability, which can cause edema. But this is very low amounts, so just a tiny bit, not enough to really cause edema in normal amounts. It's going to cause red blood cell counts to do something. It's going to cause um, polys to go up, lymphocytes to go down, and monos to go down too. It's going to tell skeletal muscle to have more blood flow. So ordinarily, when you uh, get a stress response, what happens to the blood vessels? Vasoconstrict. But where is that supposed to go? Where is that excess blood supposed to go? Oh, your heart, okay. It all goes to your heart eventually. It's going to your brain, and where else is it going? Muscle. Now, the two things that make it go to your muscle, one is cortisol, and the other is beta-2 receptors in, muscles, in muscle arteries. In your brain, if you don't have enough, you get depressed, lethargic, and irritable. If you have too much, you get excitation and, oh, euphoria. I feel good. In stress... It combines with epinephrine to make sure that you have enough blood supply and glucose to your muscles so that you can fight or yes, the runaway is the flight. So flight or fight or flight. Epinephrine and cortisol together. Make sure that your muscles have enough blood flow and enough. <coughs> Glu glu glucose to fight or flight. And in little itty bitty chickies, it causes maturation of the lung. Little babies. So you know, you know how when you're born, like up until that point, up until the point you were born, you had never taken a breath in your life. Why? Because you were floating in fluid. <laughs> yes, you were like black fin. So, the moment you got squeezed out through that itty bitty little canal and your head turned into a cone, what did you do? You screamed, put me back. But in order to do that, what did you have to do? You had to take a breath. That first breath triggers cortisol release, which tells your lungs at that moment to finish their final maturation. Now, in a baby who is premature, they're not ready to take that first breath yet. So we can give them artificial cortisol, 
to make their lungs mature quicker than usual. And the usual drug for that is beta-methasone, in case you're wondering. All right, we've already talked about this in your quiz, regulation of cortisol. Okay, um, mineralocorticoids. The major mineralocorticoid is aldosterone. And what does aldosterone do? Do you remember this little diagram here? What is this? It's a cell. It's going to go into the nucleus and it's going to... <laughs> it's going to go into the nucleus of kidney cells and it's going to tell those kidney cells to produce more sodium-potassium pumps, which is going to pump the sodium out of the urine and back into your blood. So you're going to hold on to more water. All right, adrenal androgens. Men really don't produce very much adrenal androgen because we have testosterone from our testes. Our orchids produce it for us. So our cortisol, our, our adrenal cortex gets a break. Women, however, do not have orchids. They have oofers. And oofers do not produce testosterone. So, so, they get testosterone produced by their <laughs> adrenal gland. The adrenal gland in a woman will produce testosterone. Now, by the way, when a woman gets to be around mid-30s, her estrogen level begins to go down a little bit. But her androgen levels stay the same. So guess what happens? They start acting a little bit more like teenage boys. I was talking with a friend of mine recently... <laughs> I was talking with a friend of mine recently who just turned 34, and she's like, it's amazing. He's like, I get turned on by anything nowadays. <laughs> it's like I'm an 18-year-old boy. <laughs> now, now, eventually, eventually, a woman's ovaries will begin to pretty much shut down completely. What age is that? Menopause, which is going to be late 40s, early 50s. So if you've ever hung out with a group of women around aged 48 to 53, they act just like 18-year-old boys. They think the rules don't apply to them. They can do whatever they want. And they, I mean, they're like literally crazy, just like 18-year-old boys. It's not, not increased testosterone, but decreased estrogen. So the testosterone comes out more. It's not balanced, yes. So, anyway, there you go. Oh, and by the way, ladies, the reason ladies have axillary hair and pubic hair and sex drive at all is due to the androgen effects of their adrenal testosterone. All right, last thing before we go. Cushing's disease. What is Cushing's disease? Okay. These are possible causes, but what is Cushing syndrome? It's excess cortisol. That is where the person gets saw moon face. Yeah, moon face, buffalo hump, big belly, skinny arms, tissue paper skin, super high blood sugar, super high blood uh, blood sugar, infections out the wazoo. 
That's Cushing's disease. Now, we can, it can be caused by excess ACTH, or it can be caused by an adrenal adenoma, or we can cause it by too much artificial cortisol. Say again? What? You should have put a picture of that on it. Okay, we'll look at a picture in a minute. Don't worry, I'll have it. All right. <laughs> it doesn't happen in a day. All right, now, that's called Cushing's what? Syndrome or disease. Syndrome if we gave it to them, disease if they got it naturally. Now, if they have too little cortisol, we call that Addison's disease. So manifestations, weakness, emaciation, hypoglycemia, hyperpigmentation, their skin starts turning funky colors, fluid and electrolyte imbalances, and the treatment is glucocorticoid replacement. Now, what are the two drugs we're going to use for that? What are the weakest glucocorticoids we give? Nope, what redenzone is a moderate. It's over the counter in every cream. Hydrocortisone and cortisone. Now, cortisone turns into hydrocortisone once it's in your body. Now, if, if a patient has what we call acute adrenal insufficiency, like all of a sudden their adrenal glands stop producing cortisol altogether, it is life-threatening. Here are some of the bad things that can happen. I don't have to say them all. You can see them. So, how do we give a patient this? So, when we give a patient corticosteroids, what happens to their, to their adrenal gland? It stops producing it because your brain stops sending it adrenocorticotropic hormone through the pituitary. So then we take them off of this drug all of a sudden. Then what happens? Still not producing it. And now you begin to get all these things. So what do we do? We put them back on the, adrena on the, on the cortisol, on the steroids, and then we wean them off slowly. So call it taper. Taper. Oh, one of the reasons, yeah. So there you go. Hydrocortisone is artificial cortisol. Cortisone turns into cortisol in your body. Cortisone can be given PO, and hydrocortisone cannot be given PO. And you don't need to know anything else about that. Blah, blah, blah. You've already, these slides, you've already talked about these in last class, so you're good.